Welcome to How to Talk to Kids About Anything with Dr. Robin Silverman, a podcast loaded with practical tips, powerful scripts, personal stories, and simple steps to make even the toughest conversations easier. So get ready to get the information you need to make the impact you want from someone you trust, your friend, parenting expert, Dr. Robin Silverman. Hello and welcome to How to Talk to Kids About Anything, where we give you the tips, scripts, stories, and steps to make even the toughest conversations easier. I'm so honored to be your host, Dr. Robin Silverman, Child and Teen Development Specialist, author and speaker, and most importantly, parent of two great kids who give me the opportunity to love, learn, and grow every single day, whether I want to or not. Believe me, I get it. It's not always easy, but we're in this together, and we have some great people helping us along the way. Now, typically our experts are best-selling authors and top experts who have studied a topic for many years as a researcher, a writer, a professional, and an adult. But sometimes our best experts are the children themselves who are going through a unique situation that makes it so just a small portion of people like them would understand. Every once in a while, I will be putting in a special kid expert edition of how to talk to kids about anything so that we get this expert in the trenches view of what it's like to be on the other end of these conversations with insights on what kids really want, really need, and would ask for from us as adults when we are open to it. And we are open to it, aren't we? So here we are with the very first Kids Expert edition of How to Talk to Kids About Anything. And you'll see why it's so important that we ask a teen who is going through this journey to talk about her views, takeaways, and tips so that adults who are loving these kids, who find themselves in a helper role such as this, are prepared. When people hear that one of my dearest friends suffered the loss of her 13-year-old son, Gavin, after his 16-month battle with Ewing sarcoma, they often say something like, no parent should ever experience the death of a child. And as a mother and a best friend, I agree. It is heart-wrenching and tragic and makes me cry. But there is a secondary loss that many don't often consider to the same degree, and that is the loss of a sibling. My bestie's amazing 15-year-old daughter, Jaden, who I'm fortunate enough to have as my sort of adopted niece, as she calls me, Aunt Robin, is also suffering and learning how to live and love and find joy in this new normal, moving forward without her brother by her side. Studies tell us that when a sibling passes away during childhood or the teenage years, it can have a profound impact on surviving children. The development of independence, romantic relationships, even career paths can be stunted or affected. Risk-taking can either be triggered or severely reined in, and acting out can take the place of excruciating sadness. The death of a sibling has also been associated with increased diagnoses of mental disorders, such as anxiety or depression, disordered eating for living brothers and sisters. So how can we, as key adults in the lives of children, teachers, coaches, parents, mentors, aunts and uncles, help and support children and teens when they have lost a sibling or perhaps a very close friend who feels that close, like family? We have the privilege today of speaking directly with my adopted niece, who can really give us some great insights on what it's like to grieve and lo the loss of a sibling and how we can still move forward. Jaden is a ninth grader in the prestigious beta program in Florida. 
She's been writing for years to help other teens like her. Jaden is a high school athlete playing volleyball and soccer. She is known by those around her as a loving sister, daughter, and friend. She's the author of a poem, Empty Space, about her experience with grief and losing her brother. I am more than a little touched and so happy to have my beautiful niece on the show today. So welcome, Jaden, to How to Talk to Kids About Anything. Hi, Robin. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so glad to have you here. And I know that you really would like to be able to help people uh, who are going through this. And that has always been something that we've talked about as your family, even with Gavin, that we wanted to help as many people as possible. But before we get into talking about what key adults should know and what maybe kids should know who may be listening in with their parents or with their teachers um, for this this very special podcast who are grieving the loss of a sibling or a close friend, can you tell us what gets you up in the morning and why you think it's so important to come on the show to express what's going on to talk about the topic of kids and grieving and celebrating life so that others can learn and grow from it so this is like I don't know I get this question a lot especially when I'm doing like academic stuff Mm -hmm. um but honestly the thing that gets me up and I even remember like being in the car once and hearing my mom say something like this but there's like this part of me that wants to be known and wants to like make a change Mm. and I feel like I don't know like I and deep down, I like someday I just want to know that I left a mark on the world and that I deserve to be known. So like, if I can do things that help other people, that feels like, I don't know, earning it almost. And that's kind of it. That's kind of what wakes me up is like, there's like this ambition within me to have people know who I am, because I did things that mattered. Mm. And like, that's part of why I was so excited when you offered the podcast. I was like, Oh, my gosh, this is perfect. I get to finally like, say all of the things I'm thinking and like help other people, which makes it easier on me. Mm. I think that's great. I think that it's amazing that by helping others, you already know that it helps you. And Mm -hmm. by helping yourself, you're helping others. So clearly this is a difficult topic for those who are listening. And this is not something that we're just going to pass off as the typical. This is one of the reasons why it's so important to talk about As I mentioned from the research out there, it's suspected that how siblings do, how they fare is related Mm -hmm. to how they're able to grieve, if they're able to grieve, the sort Mm -hmm. of support that they get once their brother or sister or close one, loved one passes away. And I read somewhere that a key adult told a child, and this should be surprising to you, I'm sure, who was grieving Mm -hmm. the loss of her brother, that it's been six weeks, you should be over it by now, which was shocking to read. So clearly, we know there's no time limit to grief. So what Mm -hmm. do you want adults and other kids who might be listening in on this interview or reading about it in an article who might be going through something similar? What do you want them to know about grief and the emotions that come along with the death of someone who's so close to them, like a sibling? So I think like the thing that's helped me, I guess the most, and what I wish somebody would have told me before it all happened was that like grief isn't the same for everybody. And your experience of grief isn't wrong if it's different. Like, uh, I don't know. I've never been much of a crier, I guess. Like, 
emotional things definitely hurt. Physical things have never really bothered me very much. But like, I just, I don't know. I sometimes I struggle to cry and I felt so, I don't know, like wrong for like the fact that I wasn't crying a lot and that I, like I was sad, so unbelievably sad. And if anybody else has experienced that, like, you know, the sadness, but then like, just cause I wasn't crying didn't make my experience any less valid. And like, and it's only been a month um, when we're like recording this Mm -hmm. since my brother passed away and I haven't cried that many times, but it's like with me every day still. And I just, I don't know. I just wish that I could let parents know and everybody that like grief is so different and you just have to support the people going through it and you don't have to understand it necessarily, but you have to be there for them and like just giving them a little bit of a pass sometimes too. Like sometimes like grief brain, that's what my mother calls it actually is like, it's so different from whatever you think your brain is. Like whatever you think normal is, grief brain is nothing like that. And just sometimes my process of thought is so different and like so wrong from what I'm used to. Like you just have to be really forgiving of yourself and forgiving of the people around you. Like that's, I don't know, I just wish somebody would have told me that. Mm. Is it, What would you say grief brain is like forgetting things or doing things yeah. strangely? Like what is that? Oh, so... The way that grief brain, at least for me, is, and again, I think it's individual, but I forget things. I think I'm much more sensitive. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm a lot, it's a lot easier to, I guess, trigger me almost. Mm-hmm. And when I say trigger, I mean, like, upset me mm-hmm. or, like, cause me to need to feel like I need to leave or, like, I need to listen to music or something like that. And I just feel like I'm more on edge than usual. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know. Grief brain is, Again, I feel like it's really individual, but it can also be like I'm much more sentimental mm-hmm. and almost more like afraid. I'm more afraid of losing memories of him. I'm more afraid of losing things, like all that kind of stuff. It's just like heightened, but also like dulled at the same time. It's it's really quite strange, to mm-hmm. be honest. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Okay, so so you mentioned, obviously, we know grief is, is very different for different people. Some people mm-hmm. cry. Young kids, you know, they might be crying one minute and, and playing the next. It's extremely confusing for parents yeah. who are like, what is going on? And, and, and for teenagers, too, where you're, you know, you're sad, you're in your room, and then you're, you're out with friends and you're at the beach. Like, it could be, mm-hmm. you know, it's all over the place. So how do you grieve? Do you, do you talk about it with others? Do you get quiet? Do you, do you do it alone? Do you laugh? Do you tell stories? What is it that you do to, to grieve and, and give yourself that time and support you mentioned? Um, I, I have like a few different things. Like the one that I do whenever I need to be alone, which is I'm a pretty outgoing person, but I find that when I'm really sad, I kind of pull in. And one of the things, as I listen to music, I kind of mentioned that, but I listen to music and I just like distract myself. Sometimes I'll watch things that remind me of him if I really miss him, or I'll just like, if I'm so deep into the sadness, I'll just try to like get out of it almost. So I'll distract myself or like try to do something else. Um, Also, like, I don't know, I'm not very good at talking about my feelings um, because I think as the oldest sibling, and I'm sure lots of other older siblings will kind of understand, especially being the oldest girl sibling, I was always kind of in this position where obviously I was the most functional of the two of us because I was older, I had more experience, and I was just always very independent. But then I kind of like wound up thinking, well, my emotions could be a burden to other people. So it was easier for me to like keep them inside, I guess. 
because I didn't want to be a burden. Mm. But like I found actually that like kind of sadly through these two years, this two year experience of his cancer um, is that I've learned that like I have to open up more. So I think I'm getting better, but I think it's like a bit of process, I guess. Mm. But I so talking about it in music are probably my main thing. You know, it's it's interesting that you say all that and, and it just goes along with what we are starting to figure out about grief and and teenagers that teenagers are caught between the the sort of independence and expectations of adulthood and then at the same time still being in childhood and Mm -hmm. and you being the oldest I, I think you're hitting the nail right on the head there that you know you've you've already been sort of that person that has been the caretaker or um, let things slide because your brother was younger and then your brother mm-hmm. was sick. So yeah. there's often times that you needed to take a step back as people were needing to to do things for him. I mean, logistics of, of the hospital and overnight stays mm-hmm. and and just getting shuffled around. And it was it was really hard on on you um, mm-hmm. to to be that person and, and just to acknowledge that that's important, that that was hard on you. And you had to shift many times for as a 13 year old, a 14 year old, as a 15 year old to be to be accommodating in that very Mm -hmm. way and the studies tell us that often teenagers wind up having a very tough time because they come they come to the sort of rushing to help the parents they want to make sure that the well-being of their parents is 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 good the parents Mm -hmm. are grieving many people are trying to support parents but we we don't want to forget that this is a major loss for you as a sibling and other people Mm -hmm. who are listening in on this, that the siblings are losing a very significant relationship in their lives. And I think you've even realized, as you've mentioned in your, in the poem that we'll have you read a piece of, um, but that along the way that you've mentioned to me and others that this, this kind of made you realize what a special relationship it was mm-hmm. that you had with your with your sibling so not to minimize the need for for your space to grieve who is mm-hmm. it that you feel like you are able to speak to since every person really needs people to speak to is it friends is mm-hmm. it family who who is it that you're able to turn to teachers uh, wonderfully, my mom and dad are both really like just wonderful people mm-hmm. and I mean my mom has always been my best friend and my dad has always been like this really like wonderful father figure in Mm -hmm. my life so I often will turn to them when it's things that I feel like people my age might not always understand but honestly um I recently went moved to Florida and then started at this new school and I found that specifically at my new school there are more people who get it and I'm not sure why that is exactly but I've just maybe I just got lucky and found more people who are understanding and empathic So while I think I tend to talk to my mom and dad about it because I know they get it, I'm reaching more and more out to friends too Mm -hmm. because like just being open, I guess. And I don't feel like I have to hide as much as I did when Mm -hmm. I was even in seventh grade, like and then eighth and then ninth now, like I realize I don't have to hide it from people. Mm -hmm. So I think I'm talking to friends more. That's great. That's great. Mm -hmm. So when you're grieving, do you find it comforting to be able to you know, think of memories or talk about stories, things that sort of happened 
with with Gavin along the way. What what is it that gives you comfort? Um, that's so funny. Uh, it kind of depends on where I am, like emotionally, I guess. And I think that's why if you're the adult or the friend of somebody who has lost a sibling, I think it's important to like ask what they need. Mm. But in general, I really enjoy talking about memories of him and looking at at pictures of my sibling and then like feeling and remembering him and loving him. And like, I wear his hockey jerseys all the time, like just being close to him Mm. in a way that I'm not able to anymore. Um, like I, that helps me sometimes, but there's some times where I just, I'm so upset that I just need to block it out. And I think that that's also why it's really important to like encourage healthy coping strategies. Cause I developed one that wasn't great and that I'm still working on, but, um, I, I, and I've done this a few times, but thankfully have mostly stopped. But I used to hit like walls in the bathroom mm. because I just wanted it to hurt differently. Mm. And I know so many kids who have done that too. And the thing is, or similar things, cutting all those. And I'm sorry, trigger warning to anybody, but um, like hurting yourself because then it's physical pain instead of emotional pain. But like I wanted to say something about this. So sorry for taking some time real quick. No, but- I'm so appreciative of it. Your honesty. <laughs> Yeah. And like, I just, the thing that I've figured out and to be honest, saying this doesn't mean that you'll stop, but I just, I hope that it'll help a little bit, but like the physical pain doesn't make the emotional pain go away. Mm-hmm. Like it never, it, it never does. I've never met anybody where that worked. Like that feeling of control is so fleeting. Like it's, it's there for a second. You have control over your pain. And then now you're just hurting in two ways. Now my hands hurt and now, and my heart hurts still. Mm. And like, I just wish I could hug all of those kids that have hurt themselves because they're angry or sad and like tell them, you know, it's okay. I'm sorry that you're doing this, but like, I don't know if telling them to stop sounds wrong, but like just supporting them so they don't feel like they have to do it anymore Mm. because broken knuckles are don't help anybody, you Mm. know? Mm -hmm. Mm. It's a really important thing to say. And I think a lot of people who are listening in have have heard of of kids doing you know doing the different things to themselves and hurting themselves in different ways and I think you're you're definitely pointing at something that we're trying to make the physical pain replace the emotional pain but mm-hmm. that it doesn't it doesn't do that um and then you're just hurting in more than one way so mm-hmm. uh needing to get the support that you need um, and, and really asking for it and going after it, knowing that you deserve to be supported and loved through this, um, just as much as any other family member, um, that you don't always need to be the strong one, as we sort of just discussed, that you you can break down and you can ask for alone time and you can talk, talk about it um, to find the comfort that you need. And even though it's going to continue to hurt in different ways, that somehow by talking about it and by allowing yourself permission to grieve, you you can you know start to move forward. You connect more with others, and um, by connecting mm-hmm. more with others, it kind of shares the grief a little bit. Is that right? Yeah, definitely. Okay. So, is there anything that you wish happened differently in terms of how you were supported? through the process of when Gavin was sick and when he passed away? Is there anything that you wished 
people did differently for mm-hmm. you or you did differently? So I have a few different things. Um, so one of the ones, and this is kind of specific, but I bet a lot of people will be able to understand. Basically, people would always talk about, they would be like, oh, wait, I had a friend or a family member or whatever that had cancer. And you're like, oh, cool. What happened to them? And then the thing they say immediately after every time is they died. Ugh. And it's like, right. do you know how, like, and I really appreciate that shared experience yeah. thing. It's so wonderfully beautiful, but if the end result is so tragic, it's honestly just more scary Mm. and it just makes you sad. You're like, I'm going to like, it just made me upset, honestly. Mm -hmm. And it comes from a good place and I don't want to shame or hurt anybody that said that. Like they don't mean it that way. But if I could leave people with one thing not to say, it would be don't tell stories of people that have died of something similar. Mm -hmm. Because it's honestly, it just, it feels like all of those deaths are piling up on you. Like, he has no chance now. Like, it, and even if your sibling is just going through something really difficult, really difficult medically or whatever, like, it just, it piles up and then you're like, how is he, or how, how will anything good come out of this? Mm-hmm. So I just, that's one thing. Um, I also wish that people were more sincere about giving, like, the pass you know, mm. like, cause they say that, Oh no, it's okay. You get a pass. You're sad. But I feel like people say that to check the box more than they mean it sometimes. And I, again, I don't think that's always true. I think maybe sometimes teenagers, um, they tend, if they're insecure, they can kind of like take it out on other people. And again, like, I don't blame them for that. Um, but I do think it's really important to like genuinely give space to those who are grieving, like genuinely be like, I understand that you're unstable right now because you lost somebody important to you. I'm going to give you space. You tell me what you need, like just providing support, but also making sure that you're not, you know, overbearing almost. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that's really important and actually genuinely being understanding when they mess up. Cause I can tell you right now, I said from the time that Gavin got sick, until the time that he passed away, I messed up more times than I can count. I did more stupid things than I can count. And like, and that's just the reality of it. And like we were talking about with grief brain, sometimes it's just hard. Mm-hmm. And I really appreciate those people that are genuinely understanding and give me that space. Like that's so mm-hmm. wonderful. Mm-hmm. So yeah. That's it. I think those are my things. Oh, I think those are so good. <laughs> I, I'm recalling. Obviously, I, I I feel very honored to know to know you personally, and mm-hmm. I just am remembering some of the reactions that you got from people. And I'm not going to bring up any any specific things, but I just mm-hmm. want to underscore that sometimes when people are going through a grieving process, even when we initially found out that Gavin was sick that somehow people were turning it to be about them and why you didn't tell them first or confide in them or you know it it became like this shift in how people were receiving the information and I think it's Mm -hmm. important for those who are supporting our our kids our our teens anybody really who's going through something that we don't make it about us right if you're if you're not talking and confiding in us it's not about us it's about you Mm -hmm. know what you need in that particular moment isn't that right yeah totally and I think and that's something that like 
um, I want to make sure I do later on, like just because I've experienced it. I don't want to pretend like I know everything. Mm -hmm. And that's part of honestly why at first I was almost nervous to do the podcast because I don't know everything. None of us. We're (laughs) doing the best we can and piecing things together. So it's just it's good. It's good to talk about. Yeah, but I think definitely not making it about you and and I, that also, I feel like that sounds harsh, but I think it's a really important thing sometimes to remind yourself, like, you know, in a soft way, but be like, this isn't about me. This is about them and the loss that they've suffered. Mm-hmm. And like, sometimes you just need to say that a few times if you're going to take care of somebody or bring them food or whatever. Right. Like that, that means so much. Yeah, right. Exactly. Like, why haven't I heard from them? You know, why, why are they not calling me back? Why, you mm-hmm. know, why didn't they tell me this? Why did I find out through this person? And, and it, it's really important to take a step back and realize that the other people are going through so much that there are no mm-hmm. rules to this. There are no yeah. expectations, right? You, you know, your your mom is one of my very best friends. She's a sister to me. And there were times when I did not hear from her for ages and ages because it was already, there was too much on the plate. And you just mm-hmm. have to be, you know, you have to just realize that when you're going through something like that, that that person is may not be available in the same way and they may mm-hmm. not talk to you in the same way. So the, I think it's just something important to acknowledge. So many people, while they're expressing their grief, they, they grieve through art and that can mm-hmm. be really cathartic and helpful while dealing with loss or impending loss. Um, can you tell us about the poem that you wrote for Gavin and and how or if it helped you and your family and how it might help others? Oh, yeah, of course. So I actually, I am not very, like, uh, like artistic in, like, a drawing way. Like, I, I took classes when I was younger, but it's never really been my way of getting out emotions. But I've, like, always loved words, like, from the time I was a little kid. And um, so I, I started writing, writing poetry, weirdly, because, and I didn't have, I mean, we read like these, um, like Dr. Seuss books and stuff, but it's not like my, I grew up on like Edgar Allan Poe or anything, mm-hmm. but it just kind of came naturally, <laughs> like the beat of words and mm-hmm. stuff. So I was writing the poem, I was actually at a camp of mine, and um, I remember I was just, I was so sad for some reason, and I kept getting hit with waves of grief because that was after the time we found that he was going to be passing away at some point. They were giving us all these different times of how long it would take for him to pass away, his projected life expectancy, like all that kind of stuff. And I remember just like how overwhelming it was. And I was like, I just need to, I just need to write something. Mm -hmm. And I just felt like this, it was like overwhelming. And we got a prompt to write about something that was like the most, like one of the hardest things we had ever gone through or something. And so the one I wrote was, I named it Empty Space, and it was basically about, so far, from that point, um, how grieving, before I even had lost somebody, what it was like for me, and what it was like knowing I was going to lose a sibling. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why I wrote it, and, it, and then I named it Empty Space. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. And and it really tells tells the story of of your, of how you were thinking at that time, and mm-hmm. and and you could hear through it that you were you were trying to savor the time but also that you felt like 
you had squandered some of the time because, mm-hmm. of course, before knowing, you're just living life like a regular sibling. Yeah. And siblings irritate each other and, you know, get frustrated <laughs> with each other. It, it's mm-hmm. normal, you know. So yeah. um, and, and really understanding that he will be with you for life. Um, that you know there's there's memories and this is somebody who has been you know such an important part of your life so Mm -hmm. can you can you read us a piece of it totally do you want me to read like the first part or just my favorite part uh read read the first part and then read your favorite part okay this is a chapter from a book i'll never write a story i've told so few people i can count all of them on one hand but i'm hoping that by sharing the raw truth Maybe one of you will feel less alone because I know it's not uncommon. I know I don't have the most tragic story in the room, but selfishly, I hope telling it will help me as much as it helps you. My little brother is dying. My sweet, sweet 13 year old brother. Okay. And then read us the, read us your favorite part. Okay. So here it is. I mourn the loss of my childhood hope of that deep rooted security that things would go a certain way that I would never live with an empty space where a brother should be. Mm-hmm. And then this is the line about him that I feel like I should share. And then if they want, they can read it. It's actually also on my Instagram, which I can give at the end because I've been posting more stuff about it, mm-hmm. but it's, he's wonderful. The kind of person this world needs. He's a star hockey player, the loyal friend, the kid that speaks for those that are voiceless. He's my sweet, loving little brother, and he will always be more than an empty place where a brother should be. Mm. It's so beautiful, Jaden. You <laughs> did such a beautiful job and captured um, a very important part of grieving and such mm-hmm. an important aspect of Gavin that that he will always be remembered and that when somebody passes away, it, it does leave this void where it's not just empty. It's filled with beautiful memories and who that person was and how he impacted all of us. Mm -hmm. There's, there's so much more. And I love the way that you captured that. Thank you so much for, for sharing that. And, and I think it's really important that people realize that they can get some of their feelings out through art and through writing and, and through all different kinds of ways that, that might not feel like the typical, I'm just going to sit down and cry here. So that's really important. One of the things that we are doing is uh, celebrating Gavin's life in a, an event where we're all getting together. It's a celebration of life event. And mm-hmm. this is really in stark contrast to a traditional funeral where it's mainly somber and only people speak about like, you know, somber things and they, you know, yeah. few few choice words. How does this sort of idea of celebrating life fit better with Gavin and your family and, and kids in general? Like, why do you think yeah. it's important to celebrate your brother's life, not just focus on the loss in, in like a traditional funeral? Mm-hmm. So Gavin, one of the funny things about him is he wanted everything to be special, which was such a beautiful, sweet, endearing thing. He just wanted everything to be good and special and beautiful. And that is such a, like, it's such a sweet thing. And I think that making his passing beautiful and fun and like, well, fun is strong. Making it okay. I don't even know what words to use, actually. I feel like none of them. I think we need like new, new words, right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) If anybody wants to 
invent some that would be wonderful <laughs> yes, but you know, like words that have to do with grieving but celebrating yeah yes. but trying to like celebrate this because and celebrate him yeah like I think that's such a I think that's just important to who he is and also um he something he said before he passed was that he didn't want us to be sad all the time once yes. he was gone like he didn't want us to be the family or be that like the one that you see in movies and tv shows and even in real life that just wallow in their grief mm. and just have to sit in it and feel that for the rest of their lives and they're like husks of mm. what they once mm. were mm. and gavin just really really like i think that's what bothered him most about leaving was actually that he was worried about us which also speaks to how completely selfless he was. But, like, he just... And I think that that's why it's important to do a celebration of life rather than a funeral. Mm -hmm. Because the truth is, is, like, his life was so beautiful. And while it was short, it was wonderful and full of happy moments and hard ones that we got through. And, like, celebrating it is so much more what Gavin would want for us like he wants he wants us to be happy and I can feel that even now mm. that like and I mean why not make it a celebration yeah right exactly it does you know he he was he was a funny funny guy I mean <laughs> yes. and partly of course like partly it was like him making fun of me while I was there with yeah. like, you know and and that was fine welcome to the family yeah well totally <laughs> fine you know I mean I just I, somehow he brought out like these just ridiculous things that I would say I and oh and they gosh. did not let me forget them which is totally oh, fine it makes me laugh now you know, when I think about them and I'm like, oh uh -huh. gosh, what did I just say? And you know, I knew it right in the moment when I would say it and he would just like look at me and capture yep. it. And it was like, uh, done, you know, you're fried. He had the memory <laughs> of, oh my yes. goodness. Yes, he would. You cannot say anything <laughs> funny or silly around that kid. Oh yes. my goodness. I mean, you make a mistake with it. My gosh. Like, uh -huh. I mean, you know what I mean? Like things would come out and I was like, oh gosh, what did I just say? And it would be like reflected back the entire rest yeah. of the visit yeah which is just perfect and so Hysterical. and so it was always like you know okay celebration of life we'll have to have like cheeseburgers and yes. just things that just felt so much like him and just thinking about those things it's like kind of makes you smile because mm -hmm. you're you think of what made him live right like the yeah. things that that that's the stuff we we want to remember the things that made him him gavin yeah, yeah. right so I, I i do appreciate that idea of of celebrating his life and i think you captured something so beautifully where you're talking about how he didn't want you guys to be sad and he really wanted the people he loved to find joy in their lives that was something he he seemed to make you guys promise right that he, he did he multiple times he wanted you to find joy so i'm i'm wondering for those people who are listening who might be having trouble moving forward, I'll say, mm -hmm. and they've lost a, a loved one, a best friend, a sibling. What words of advice would you have for them? And, and what would you imagine Gavin would want them to know about the importance of moving forward and living life to the fullest? So it's funny. There's So Gavin also loved music. Um, and what me, immediately I thought of, and if anybody is grieving and you just... And you need a song that either to make you cry or to make you feel understood. Um, it's funny. Actually, one of the One Direction members, I think, 
Lewis Tomlinson, Tomlin, I don't know how you say it, wrote a song um, called Two of Us about losing his sister. Mm. And he says this line, and it's like the main idea of the song is living one life for the two of us. Mm. And like, I don't know if that works for everybody. And I think that you have to find motivation that is outside of the person you lost, but within yourself. But I also think that something that keeps me going sometimes when I'm like really feeling down is like, I know that if since he was, he had to leave so early, I'm living one life for the two of us. It is my life, but also because of the way he has shaped me, it is in some ways kind of his life in a way. Like mm. it, it has so much influence from him that I'm carrying his life with me. Mm. And so that's part of what has helped me personally. I think honestly finding music in general helps me. And I think that like letting yourself be loved by the people around you and letting yourself just be taken care of. Like I've, and you said this in my bio, I play soccer and volleyball and I don't, I'm not able to go to every practice. Sometimes I just feel awful. Mm -hmm. Like, and it's a feeling that's so hard to describe. And if you, and if you haven't gone through it, I'm so happy you haven't. And if you have, I'm so sorry. And if you will, I'm sorry too. But like, it is definitely like you just, it's, you got to be careful with yourself. You got to be loving when you can't get up for volleyball practice or when you can't kick the ball around or when you forget a piece of homework or something and talk to your counselors. If you're in school, just have your mom or somebody or whoever can support you go up, say, Hey, I lost a so-and-so. I lost somebody close to me. Can I get some support? I need to have these backups. Like sometimes, um, they would play videos or like documentaries and it would talk about death and that would be really triggering for me. Mm -hmm. Um, and I would need to leave, but like I talked to my counselors and now whenever I need to leave, I stand up, look at my teacher, say something to them. And then I'm able to go and I go to the counselor mm -hmm. because like that's been built in for me. Mm -hmm. And I think like those kinds of things help so much. And as an adult helping your kid or your friend or whoever, get those kinds of supports and then letting them grieve however they need to like that's those are my tips I guess mm, really important information mm -hmm. straight from you and I love that your your mom you know really made sure that you had the supports that you needed yeah that you have the people in your, the classes that you need your teachers are ready and understanding your counselor knows and so everybody is already having the expectation, not that you will do it, but that if you do need it, that they're ready for it. Yes. Yeah. That's, that gives you the space that you need and the support at the same time. And it's just brilliant. It's just a great, great situation. Um, mm -hmm. I'm so happy that you have that. Um, would you Me say, too. would you say that you feel like you have what you need in order to, to feel supported at this time yes I, I would say I do and I don't think everybody's as lucky yes um and I also think that you are not you are not less strong if you need medicine mm -hmm. or therapy mm -hmm. or any of that stuff in fact I would strongly suggest you at least do therapy or something mm -hmm. or talk to people and I mean you can get therapy through a lot for very affordable prices mm -hmm. through a lot of like um, health centers and like there's so many ways to get therapy if you need it. And just, I suggest it so strongly, but like also if you're really struggling, 
talk to talk to a medical professional and ask about treatment options and things because I know that it sounds scary and I know that it sounds like you're weak or something but you're not weak like I I have been I mean you've been through excuse my language hell Mm -hmm. and you need that support you need and if you need medicine if you don't need medicine if you need therapy anything you go and get it go Mm -hmm. ask because you matter in equal measure to everybody else Mm. That's that's a that's your mom speaking right through yes, you, it isn't is. it? I know I say that all I'm the her, time. I'm her too. twin. You are <laughs> matter in equal measure, and yeah. what a true testament to to her words and and how they have been adopted by you in such a profound way. It's just I'm just mesmerized by by what mm-hmm. you've said and and just so appreciate them. What would you say your top tip is? What do you what do you want us as as key adults in the lives of children and teens to to do or to say if somebody feel, seems to be having trouble coping with the loss of a sibling or a loved one? I've got you. What do you need? Mm. That and it, like a hug, if that's the like kind of figure you're mm-hmm. like, if you're at a place where you can hug them, um, hug them. If Especially, and if they're uncomfortable with that, obviously don't. <laughs> but if that's the relationship you have, hug them saying, I've got you. What can I do? Mm-hmm. Like just leaving it open to them. And honestly, people have asked me that before and I had no idea what I needed yet. Mm-hmm. So then at that point, offer stuff, offer mm-hmm. things that might help offer things that are like kind of out there, make mm-hmm. them laugh. Like all that kind of stuff is so unbelievably helpful. Mm-hmm. And just like, I think that's exactly what I was talking about, giving them space, but supporting them, which can be a hard balance, but mm-hmm. that's what I would say. It's a really good suggestion. Thank you for that. At this point, I would typically ask you for the resource of the week, and you and I agreed that the resource would be an article that I wrote for U.S. News & World Report, which comes out tomorrow, November 6th, based on this podcast and this interview with you and quotes you on six ways to help kids grieve when a sibling passes away. And so that article and the link to that article actually will be in the show notes below. So, All right. And... I just want to thank you so much, Jaden, for for being yeah. here with us, for letting us into your heart, for letting us be <laughs> part of both the life and the and the loss of your brother, and helping us be better mentors and parents and coaches and teachers who can help kids through grief. I just I appreciate it. I appreciate you, and I love you. I love you too. <laughs> thank you, Aunt Robin. You are so welcome. Well, everybody, I've got my takeaways, and sweet friends, I know you have yours, so let's discuss them. Come up on Facebook. We can go to the Dr. Robin Silverman page. Let's chat about it at drrobinsilverman.com or twitter.com slash drrobin. I'm also on Instagram at drrobinsilverman, and I am going to be creating memes that quote Jaden so that they can be shared, and you can share them with the kids in your lives who really could use them and need them. We will go back and forth and really talk about all these great pieces of information that you probably would never have gotten if you weren't here today listening straight from the mouth of, of somebody who's been going through it and who, who knows much more about this than, 
than we do. So thank you so much. And if you love this podcast like I did, I hope you'll go up to iTunes and rate and review it so other people can learn about all these great things that Jaden just talked about and they can use them in their own homes. I truly appreciate it. That's all the time we have for today. My fellow parents, leaders, and educators, thank you so much for tuning into How to Talk to Kids About Anything. For more information on books, articles, speaking engagements, or curriculum, please visit drrobinsilverman.com. So many great podcasts are up there and the show notes to this podcast will be up there as well. I look forward to weathering the storm and enjoying the sunny side of life together. And please remember, even on the days when you fall short, you've got this, you're here, you're getting the information you need. I know it's not easy, but never forget there's always tomorrow. You might be thinking to yourself, I said the wrong thing, I did the wrong thing, or I didn't do anything. Remember, parenting is the ultimate do-over. You can do it differently tomorrow. You can do it differently today. I see you, and I'm right there with you. And as there are moments when we doubt our know-how, our choices, and our sweet sanity, please know you are 10 times the parent you think you are. Until next time, this is Dr. Robin Silverman with How to Talk to Kids About Anything. Please tune in again and keep connecting through conversation. See you next week. You've been listening to How to Talk to Kids About Anything with Dr. Robin Silverman. For more information,